0: Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today, we're going to do sort of the flip side of what we talked about last time. Last time, we talked about how do I get my dog to stop barking. Now, I've had a couple people ask me, how do I get my dog? to bark and my first reaction is always really because most people want me to have them you know learn how to get their dog to stop barking this is just um uh, i think 98 percent of the people on the planet would love to be in your position to have a dog that doesn't bark but i do understand what they want what they're telling me they want is some is they want their dog to sound an alert not an alarm but an alert that someone is at the door or the window or in the backyard. So they want their dog to bark a couple of times to say someone is here. And I get that. Um, My Zuzu, who is one of the friendliest dogs on the planet, has this bark that is just kind of scary. And so when I'm home alone, it doesn't bother me any. If somebody's at the door and she lets out a few woofs, um, simply because they know there's a dog in the house. And, uh, of course, you open the door and it's sort of like, you know, meeting Jell-O because she's, she's so friendly, but, um, I do understand the need to, uh, or the desire to have somebody bark when somebody's there, but there are some difficulties with this particular, um, issue. And that's what Tina and I were going to talk about today. Is this something you can actually teach a dog to do? And how would you go about doing it? And is it, do you have to do it at a certain age? Or there are some questions here. So Tina, do you think it's possible to teach a dog to simply bark one or two times when somebody is at the door or does this something that is going to have to be a cue that you give the dog? How would you start with this? So
1: I think, um, I think you could long, I mean, I think you could teach dogs all sorts of things, right? So in theory, If you could teach a dog to spin, you could create a secondary cue that is, hey, I would like you to spin two times. So if we could put a single bark on cue and then we grew that behavior, I always think of Kay Lawrence. That was the first person who said to me, like, and may I have another, please, right? So I do think that it is probably possible. I don't know that the average family is going to put that time in. Right. I'm not sure right. I'm not sure it's that important, right? Like I think sometimes um we're getting down to like the wish list of behavior. You're like, okay, well, how long will yeah. that take? Like I had a client once who wanted to teach his dog to retrieve a beer out of the fridge. Laudable goal in a college town. Um, he's a law professor. <laughs> and I said it takes a year. That's what I hear. Um, and here are some videos on how to do it. And he took a year and taught Monty, the awesome Monty, how to retrieve a, retrieve a beer out of the fridge. And he could even discriminate. He had his own separate fridge for beer. So like he he was happy to put that time in. But the average family just goes, oh, ha, 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 can we teach a dog to retrieve a beer? And I go, yes, it takes a year. And they go, no thanks. I'll get it myself. So I do think if you could teach a dog that's that that curly cue means spin twice, you could teach your dog that raw means Bark twice, uh, but I think it's probably a more complicated thing than the average the average handler is going to want to get into the minutia of all the how to how to do that. But to, yes, I do think you can do it.
0: Now, I would th- yes, I would agree. I, I would say that that you could teach that your dog to do that. But this is the key: is you're putting it on cue, so you're telling the dog, "I want you to bark." twice so putting it on cue is going to be difficult enough to begin with giving it on cue that i want to bark you twice that i mean to bark twice but it's not as if you were teaching the dog you see somebody in the yard i need you to bark twice so actually
1: you could with sequencing you could I suppose. but it might end up I being your you neighbor bob who's helping you with the training starts to become the cue for barking which is not actually what you wanted Right. So, so how do you know so, what the actual cue is? Right. So, so the, I try to explain to people all the time. Like burglars don't necessarily ring the doorbell. Right. Like the, right. teaching your dog polite meeting people at the door manners does not mean that as an adult your dog is gonna be like, come on in, take the silver. Um, the burglars come in a different way, right? People with nefarious intent come in a different way. Um, or at least I like to think they do. Maybe any law enforcement who are listening to the podcast can disavow me of that Correct. if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, I'm very good at being wrong. I'm good with I'm good with it. So anybody's welcome to criticize. Um, but I just, I don't think bad guys wear name tags, right? I, I think asking a dog to use right. that level of discernment, I mean, if it was just that easy, right? Like if every bad guy right. had, you know, I don't know. A specific thing, well then it like it'd be easier to navigate the world.
0: Right. If every bad guy wore a ski mask and came in through the window, right. we could we this is something we could train. Right, to. we could sequence but, that. That's right, but, but even you know, should protection dogs have cueing that they get from their handler. Absolutely, that's what I tell people is that when you're talking about police dogs that you know apprehend somebody or hold somebody, thing they're being cued very specifically to go after that person and to do that particular thing to that particular person. And when to stop. And so
1: right, like it's not yes. even just I'm sending you to go do the thing. It's also and
0: now your job is done. So. Right. So that so we may have to so with barking you might have a okay you need a, here's a cue to bark here's your cue to stop. Right. That'll do. You're done. Right. So so there's
1: also breed tendency. Right. Some breeds are just quieter right. than others. So um, I think Basenji Yeah,
0: because right now I have a couple of clients who want their dogs to bark at you know the, the nefarious stranger. But they don't have barky dogs. Right. The like, dogs if you have are, are are a senshi, sweet, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. They're going to yodel at the, exactly. at the invader, right? <laughs> or, or,
1: but, or even like a chow chow, right? Not really a breed that yeah. barks a whole bunch. They chuff, Right. but it's in the traditional sense, it's not really barking. Um, so I will say when, when my sweet, sainted Doberman was still alive, um, for fun... I put, like, one of those big, ferocious, rah, 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 there's a dragon in the front yard barks on cue for, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> we were just being funny one day, and I was like, we're just, I think somebody wanted their dog to learn how to do something on cue. And so, barky dog, right, a dog who was happy to to bark about stuff. If you got him all jazzed up, he'd bark. Um, and so that's how I did it. Right. In, in really quick order. Cause I think, so I don't know, does Zuzu know things because your clients asked about it and you're like, I don't know. I got to try with her. But like my dog <laughs> ended up learning all sorts of weird stuff because I'm like, okay, well I'm going to break my dog. <laughs> See if I can do it. Before
0: I break yours. Yes. Before I float that in. So, um, um, well, Zuzu is, is very special and, um, <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Um, I don't try a lot of things with zoo cause she just, she's near, I think she's near sighted, near nosed and near mentally. Um, she like, like a dog Bingley, my husband taught him to fetch the paper in approximately seven minutes, right? Zuzu, it's going to be seven years. Cause we can't do, we can do one part of it. Like we can go out and see the paper and put our paw on it, but we can't pick it up. But if we go out and you show me the paper, then I can pick it up but I can't carry it in the house. But if we go out and you pick up the paper and hand it to me, then I may carry it into the house, but I might take it into the front yard and take it out of its wrapper. <laughs> so we can't do more than one thing at a time. It just, it, she, or if you tell me to pick up the paper and I'm really excited, I'll put my paw on it and then try and lift it. And then it doesn't lift. And I get really frustrated and I, and I, and I ask you to do it. So Zuzu doesn't get the same level of experimentation that my other dogs have had. Simply because Zuzu just, she, she is the sweetest thing um, in the world, but she's just not all there. So, um, no, because I just don't think that she's indicative of how you can really train a dog because she, she, she is who she is. I kind of sort of um, hope it's a I, shtick.
1: Like, I love those <laughs> dogs. I, I worked with one this week. Who totally has her owners completely convinced that she's dumb as a bag of hammers, and she's smart as a whip. She just thinks it's funny to bust their chops, <laughs> so she does all that um. clowning. And you're like, okay, goofball, right? Like, yeah, fun, fun dogs. I I kind of always like those ones that are a little bit special. All right, so yeah, so what I would say is some dogs just don't bark. Right. Other breeds bark more, right? Um. If you have a way So if you
0: have a dog that barks more, you're going to have a better chance of success here. Yes. Because it's going to be easier to put it on cue. Yeah, and I don't
1: remember who it was who said this. I wish I did. I, I don't I don't have that good a memory. So I apologize to whoever's information I'm stealing. I once heard it said you cannot teach some a dog to do something that's not they don't instinctively offer. Okay. Right. So if if it's not right. in the behavioral repertoire of the dog in some form, right? A spin is look, turn your head, take a step, right, make the whole circle. So if you have any part of that, you could probably do the geeky what geeky dog trainers call free shaping, or you can lure and you can get that behavior. But I don't right. I don't know of a way that you can um lure a I mean, maybe you can lure a bark. It depends on the dog. So, so one, I think breed matters, right? If if you have a chow chow, the likelihood of putting a bark on cue, if it if the dog is not naturally offering a bark in some sort of context that's reproducible and consistent, you're probably gonna struggle to teach that behavior. Doesn't mean that you can't try. I mean, laudable that we try. Um, But I would wonder, like, okay, at what cost, and I would say this caution, at what cost to the dog, right? Is it, we're scaring the tar out of, um, and that's why the dog barked. Well, I don't, I don't personally want to build defensive drive in a dog. I don't think that's, I, I don't, I don't find that terribly humane.
0: So, Right. So if you have to stress the dog to a point where the dog is is, is barking because he is either totally stressed, he's scared, he's um, anxious, that's not necessarily where we want to go with the training because you're causing your dog, mental if not physical distress because there are physical ramifications to fear and anxiety and you're building neural pathways that you don't necessarily want to build in a dog especially if it's a young dog so yeah you have to decide what's the cost of getting this behavior the other thing I wanted to mention um, that you had talked about we were discussing this before we started podcasting was the idea of when is it developmentally appropriate to ask something like that of a dog. And I think that's something that, that people don't think about. I mean, people call me all the time and say, my dog is 10 weeks old, is it too early to train? And I'm like, nope, never too early to train your dog, really never too late. But what I'm talking about is basic things like sit, down, come, you know, all basic obedience and manners. You can start very early. My dogs, I start the day my dogs come home with me. With, you know, a clicker and teaching them these kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that more complicated things like trying to teach a non-barking dog to bark is appropriate for an eight-week-old or a four-month-old puppy. So I want you to talk a little bit because you had this, you explained it so beautifully. I was just so impressed wow. about why this is this is <laughs> not appropriate. For a younger dog. So if
1: we think in terms of human development, and not to anthropomorphize too much, but, but I do think it, I think anthrop- anthropomorphizing does have its place, right? It gives us a frame I of context. Do too. So I'm not equating dogs to people. I'm going to give you a human example to then present a dog example. So um, when I was a little girl, if I was six or seven years old, and somebody was sassing my mother, I surely didn't like it. Right. But I wasn't developmentally big enough to really be of any assistance in that situation. Right. Like nobody's I'm not empowered as a six or seven year old to be able to say, hey, that's not okay with me and and intervene on someone's behalf, even if the average six or seven year old today might think that they are imbued with those powers. So that being said, at forty nine, if someone were to be inappropriate with my mother, I do, I am big enough to rise to the occasion and have a say in how that interaction goes down, right? Um, And I think it, it has nothing to do with how tall the person is or how much they weigh, right? It has to do with developmentally where are they on the continuum? And the same is true for our dogs. So my experience, and I'm sure someone out there will disagree, and that's awesome. I would love to hear about other experiences. Um, In my experience, puppies really don't start alarm barking until they're developmentally big enough to be a party to helping sound the alert, keep an eye on whatever the problem is and solve the problem. So run off the rascal. So in my experience, the average puppy that's like maybe even maybe at nine months, that's going to start. Maybe. That's a maybe. My experience is if barking is happening younger than that, that dog is really fearful that it's actually, it's actually, or now I will say do bratty puppies, overtired puppies, overstimulated puppies bark to get somebody to mess with them and negative attention seek and all that? Yes. I'm talking about like the alert barking. So I am going to parse that. But my experience is the average six month old puppy that's barking at something is having a huge fear response. And again, now we're building defensive drive. You and I naturally, if the trash truck, this actually happened yesterday. The trash truck pulls up and the six month old doodle on the leash goes, oh my God, it's a dragon. We're all going to die. You and I are going to be like, "Woohoo! this is awesome. Let's run away. Right. Cause if I'm not, I don't, I don't want to build that. I don't, I don't want to terrify that dog. So um, in the two examples of the people that you were recently talking to who wanted their puppies to bark when there's a problem, whatever that may be, Um, I just think those puppies are still developmentally too young and that there is a potential really big
0: negative side effect to trying to build it. I was going to say, because one of the things we talked about is we briefly mentioned it earlier, is that if the puppy's not barking at these things, that means you have to stress him enough to bark. So you're putting your dog under extreme stress at a very young age. And so you're actually building that fear response. You're building that anxiety. You are building a response that you don't actually want. So that instead of saying, woof, woof, hey, there's somebody there. It's like, (gasps) woof, woof, there's somebody there. And it's really, they're going to kill me. I'm going to die. Right. And you don't want to build the neural pathway of, so I'm so fearful that because what is the reaction going to be when the dog becomes older and more confident Um, Now I'm terrified, but now I'm bigger, so I don't have to just bark. I can actually snap or I can growl or I can lunge at whatever, at that dragon. So you might be setting your dog up for a more extreme response as they get older and more confident in who they are. But they've also, the problem is if you would traumatize your dog, and we had a great um, episode with Patricia McConnell on trauma if you put if you traumatize your dog in order to teach him this behavior trauma doesn't remain isolated to that particular thing trauma grows in both experience and over time so that over time it's going to get bigger as you process it as like and if you don't process it correctly it becomes amorphous over time and it becomes amorphous over experience so it's not just when i'm revved up at the door but it's oh my God, there's somebody in the yard or there's somebody walking on the street or it becomes a response you have across both time and space and experience. So you gotta be really careful. We talk about with our puppies, how much you want to positively socialize them. What we don't want to do is traumatize them, which is what the result might be if you have to drive them to that point of barking.
1: Right, I mean, think about, so you and I are both old enough to to remember a time when like, mail delivery was through a slot in the front of your house or the door mm-hmm. or there were paper boys. Do you remember them? They were delicious. Every Boston yes. Terrier was fed a steady stream of paper boys. Well, those, those jobs yes. are, are not happening anymore. And, the, and, and honestly, like we see it with, you know, um, with online shopping, right. Um, dogs learn, through repetition, just like people. So if every time the guy in the brown truck approaches the house and I bark and he runs away, I will start to have a false understanding that my barking makes the guy in brown run away. I don't have as a dog, the ability to go, oh, well, he left the new tennis shoes. That was his job. That's why he's walking away. Right. And so Then, God forbid, that poor guy needs us to sign off on something, right? Suddenly, this dog, who has learned through repetition, barking gets the scary thing to move away, goes, how dare you? And they escalate, right? right? They nail the poor guy. So I think, um, I think.
0: Because he's not following the rules. Right. You know, you're not following the rules. You are pushing me where. okay. I thought I made it really clear right, that you come to the door. I bark, you run you away. This That's is the, the rule. rule. You run away. Now you're staying. I mean, obvi- you obviously are not understanding the rules. So I obviously have to escalate to make it really clear to you right. that you need to leave now and to remind you. Right. 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 So because for some reason
1: you're, you're malfunctioning. So again, like fortunately the only people who have asked me to teach their dog to bark on cue have in my career, it's all been stable adult dogs. It's never been those, because I wouldn't do it, honestly. Like, I would be like, I love you enough to come back in five years. Like, it's not an appropriate time to do it with a young a young puppy. Mm-hmm. It's always been adult dogs. And and in, in my situation, it was the two times I think I've been asked to do it, it was um, widows, actually. Their husbands passed away. Mm-hmm. The dog, they always felt more secure in their environment while their husband was there. Their dog was super friendly and stable and an adult dog, and they wanted a way to get the dog to do that big ferocious bark if she asked the dog to do it. And so I built it with my Doberman first and said, okay, I know how to get that. And then we talked about what gets your dog to bark naturally. And then we put that on a cue and built big ferocious bark, which is awesome. That, I mean, it's part of why we have dogs, but I don't, right. I'm not, I don't want to, I want to be really careful
0: because right. if that was well, the other thing was adult is,
1: fearful dog, you're going right, to build aggression, which is not what you wanted.
0: No, no, not at all. What you just want is you want the sound, right? You want the sound that enough to make somebody hesitate for a moment. Like, Oh, she's got a great big dog. And it's funny because Zuzu is not that big a dog, but she's got a huge bark. Um, but the other thing is, I tell people, if you want to do that, do not put the cue on something like bark. <laughs> you want it to be on something like, like you said, like, here, kitty, 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 or, um, you know, something that you say that doesn't sound like a cue to bark, right? You don't want to say, okay, I need you to bark and stop bark. It needs to be something, I don't know, I don't know, I'd love the here, kitty, kitty. um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, so- something else, like... um you know, would you like a popsicle, you know, or something? So, um,
1: so my parents but. have been breeding and showing dogs since 1979, right? So my mom, I got to watch teach lots of confirmation handling classes and uh, lots of, <laughs> lots of people, if their dog is supposed to have a high tail set, let's talk about like a Doberman, right? They're supposed to hold their tail up when they're right. in the show ring. Well, lots of people are going to tickle that tail and and get it to come up and say tail and my mother was always like for goodness sakes don't name it that like you're telling the judge you have a problem he's not deaf right so (laughs) so you know it might have been peanut butter and the dog brings their tail up because you don't want the cue to necessarily point out something where you're having to um have your dog adjust from normal because part of the goal of confirmation is that you are an honest presentation of that specimen to compare to the breed standard. So um, if you're having to cue your dog to stretch their rear, you probably don't have as great structure naturally as maybe as ideal. So, right. So the same thing, if the dog holds their ears back and they're supposed to hold their ears up, don't make the cue ears Right, and in in Gus's case, we never called the cats. So here, kitty, kitty, kitty was not going to be something that was randomly like we weren't doing it to torture the dog. We were not doing it to torture the cats. I do sometimes see kind of that twisted human sense of humor. Um, it really was a cue we never used. Right, if we wanted the cats, we right. shook the little canister and the cats came running. So, um, so it wasn't a cue that was going to kind of even accidentally fall out of somebody's mouth and torture the dog. I, a lot of times put it on, so utilizing sequencing, again, I'll go back to Kay Lawrence, where it was either using an environmental cue or I actually prefer a body signal. So a, bo- a shift in weight or rubbing your nose, I would pulling on your earlobe, some sort of Cue that you are not likely to use accidentally, right? That somebody's not going to trip them. It's part of the reason that, you know, Mondo and Shitsun use the cueing that they use because the goal is not to have, you know, somebody else be able to use that cue with your dog. Um, And I I will say that my Doberman in particular, I don't know why, maybe because he was a big boy, people just wanted to boss him around. And so I had the rule that if they don't know your name, they're not allowed to tell you what to do. So if you said, Gus, sit, if you were the neighbor, Gus would sit. But if you just walk if you were just some random person who walked up and went, sit, sit, he would just go, Yeah, I'm you're not the boss of me. Like you like I want for that. Right. Part, I wanted keys to the lock set, right? Like I didn't just want right. him because he was a really he was a gentleman. If you imagine Carrie Grant. He was the Cary Grant of Doberman Pinchers, like a really, really great guy. Um, but he would he would sometimes try to comply with requests that were not appropriate. That person is not your friend. Like you don't actually have to listen to them. So there was a little bit of empowering him that he not, right. he was not under any duty to comply to an order given to him by someone who didn't know him. That, that I have I love given it. that. Impression. I love that.
0: Well, I especially love it because I feel like dogs have so few things in life that they are empowered over. You know, we tell them when they can go out and we tell them when they get a walk and we tell them when they get dinner and we tell them, you know, when to go to bed. We tell them all kinds of things that they don't have control over. So for me, one of the things that I work a lot with on people, especially with dogs who tend to be a little bit shy or big dogs or any dog. Is that every dog has the right to say I don't want to meet you, and so you dogs they the one thing they should have a, a, a say in is who they do and do not meet. So if you somebody wants to meet your dog and say hi, I'd like to you know pet Gus. My standard response is fine with me, but you have to ask Gus. And then I give them, you know, a couple of things to do, especially, I think it's particularly for, for, you know, nervous dogs, I think it's particularly important for them to be able to have some options. So I love the fact that you gave Gus that empowerment that you don't have to do anything unless somebody knows your name. I think that's very appropriate.
1: Well, I mean, we would say that's true for our kids, right? And there are exceptions, right? I always taught my kids, like, if the person has a badge on, you kind of sort of have to listen to them because they... Right. right. But so there is some context to it all. Right. If I hand Gus's leash when he was alive, if I handed his leash to you, he then understood like, OK, now um, Julie is like she is now my handler for in this moment. He might still look to me for affirmation and help, but he would understand that contract just got transferred in the moment. Um, this was more like, you know, some kid saying something to him as they're. Riding past the house on a bike, like you don't have to listen to that, right? Um, and what right. I will say is, like dogs will exercise. I don't want to meet that person, whether you give them permission to or not. And so, it, it, right. <laughs> I, I prefer to hear whispers instead of screaming. So, uh, yeah, I'm yes. very cognizant of, um, yeah, the the dog actually has the right to say absolutely not at any time. Right. Now it's not going to end there. I mean, my, I have some really, really special needs dogs in this household and we work on it all the time. Right. But right. Right. But I, I don't want to go to Mardi Gras either. Not, it sounds terrible to me. Like that's a lot of drunk crowd like that. That does not sound like fun to me. Christopher is a, you know, professional jazz musician. He's a percussionist. Mardi Gras sounds awesome probably to him. So, um, he should take someone who would want to go, which, which brings me to, I have three very special dogs and one special haha, dog. The, the three that are not terribly social, we adopted super social pug from pug rescue. So he's the sacrificial mm-hmm. pug, right? Like when somebody needs something to cuddle, you just throw the pug at them because like his cuddle tube is never like his loving people tube is never full. So it, it gives the other dogs a break.
0: Right. And I used to do that, too. I had um, we had a, a Nova Scotia dog tolling retriever who was very leery of, of people. But we also had this we used to call Rebel. He was our um, Confederate trenching setter. We because uh, we found him in a Confederate trench on Chancellorsville battlefield and we didn't know what he was. So we just said he was a Confederate trenching setter who loved people. So that was the, one of the few times where I would use a bit of an extendo leash because I'd let Rebel go ahead and greet people so that Molly could watch what was going on and make a decision whether she wanted to move forward or not. So it was one of the, the only times I would ever use an extendo leash was because it allowed us to give Molly a buffer zone that she really needed. And Rebel really wanted to go meet people. So it was, you know, it worked out nicely. But once again... Um, it was all in context. It was all, I mean, it, when it wasn't like I was giving him 20 feet, I was giving him a little extra feet to give her a bit of a buffer. And, um, so it's, um, you're right. It's all in, uh, in a manner of, of context. Um, so if we want to review this real quick, how do I get my dog to bark? Well, it would be helpful if your dog would offer barks to begin with. If your dog is not offering barks, it's going to be a little bit harder to put that bark on cue because you're going to have to somehow or another elicit a bark from your dog without stressing or traumatizing him. Certainly not an appropriate thing to work towards when the dog is still a puppy, nine months of age or younger. Absolutely not. Nine months of age to a year. Maybe it depends a bit on the dog. So what you want to do is wait until the dog is maybe offering a few barks and then perhaps putting it on cue and giving it a cue that is a physical cue that you do or a phrase that you don't often use so that it doesn't, people don't get the drift that you're actually telling your dog to bark.
1: Um, And monitoring emotional state, right? Like if you're, so the natural, my experience, again, it's just a study of one, but, but my experience is that that, First, real barking in puppies is coming from a place of genuine anxiety mm-hmm. and fear. So not the bark I want to build, right? So, right. so monitoring is it just alarm barking? A limb fell in the backyard. Um, you know, the a, a can fell out of the recycling bin and is rolling down the driveway. The dog's not terrified. They're just alerting. If you if you're getting that kind of like Joe Schmo bark, like bark, 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 something's wrong, and something is actually wrong, but not anxiety producing necessarily, just hey, that's different. I guess that's what I would call that bark. Right. The hey, there's something different bark, then that would be the one that I would consider going, okay, now this dog is a good candidate for having that put on cue. But honestly the dogs do that by themselves so I'm not sure that we would always have somebody ask us to do that
0: right because right right well the other thing is 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 sometimes it's a little hard to tell yeah I mean maybe the can really is terrifying maybe I've never heard a can fall out of the recycling bin and it's rolling towards me and look another one's following it that's really scary because Because somewhere in my puppyhood, I never experienced aluminum cans falling. This is kind of scary. So in that case, I'd probably be doing a little bit more sort of counter conditioning. Like, oh, hey, dude, it stopped rolling. Here's a couple of treats. You want to go over and sniff it? I'll give you a couple of treats kind of thing. So sometimes it's kind of hard to tell. But you're right. There's a sound. There's a sound that's a different tone. And you can hear it in yourself when you're talking... Am I just, a, you know, I'm kind of, like, edgy here. This is really making me uncomfortable versus, oh, man, it's really annoying, right? There's right. two different tones there, and that's what you're kind of looking for. Well, and
1: dog. honestly, like, so. anybody can go on YouTube and download some fierce barking sounds. Like, there are lots of dog barking sound effects. Uh, I mm-hmm. I mean, I've totally outfitted – Uh, so years and years and years ago, I had this – elderly elderly sweet old elderly woman contacted me she lived like out in the woods by herself and she called me because she wanted a guard dog but she was she was seriously like 87 years old and super frail and so I said how about we do this how about we get a big bowl and how about I bring you some Doberman poop and like and some toys and bones that are already chewed up and we make a sound recording so it, and you just move stuff every once in a while, right? And that's what she did, and it worked great. But but she stopped having people trespassing on her property because it looked like you know we 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 did it up like you know in in true redneck style, right? Like big logging chain with a giant collar attached to it, like the ones that are at tractor <laughs> supply company that you pick up and you go. Who who buys a collar for a hippopotamus? Like no dog is this thing. Yeah, like we totally we glammed it up. And I did for for a long time. Took her, like I would dutifully collect Doberman poop and take it and put it, you know, so that it looked like there was dog poop on her property. And and I would just switch out the Nyla bones here and there, you know. And it solved the problem. So um and and she used a sound recording of a bark. She put a speaker up on her front porch and her, I think her grandson had made her at the time, like a CD that she could just hit play. If somebody was out there scaring her, she could hit play. And it was the sound of this huge ferocious dog barking. Um, I love that. Oh yeah. No,
0: that. it's fantastic. Okay. Well, I think that uh, kind of does it on how do I get my dog to bark? Um, Maybe you don't. Maybe you just get a great sound recording. But there's some food for thought here. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this little addition to uh, Your Family Dog. And we will see you all next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com
0: to share your thoughts.